You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. I'm Chad Wilson. He's Amo Calamino. And we're both on the screen here. Thanks to our folks at Riverside FM. We have upgraded here, Amo. We have, we have upgraded. Split screen. I like it. That's right. We've upgraded for the 2024. So no longer can I do foolishness off screen while Amel is talking. I've got to be on my best behavior for the whole time. And uh, that's what we've got going on. As always, we are sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook. Bovada Sportsbook, one of the oldest, if I can use that term, operating sportsbooks online. Great odds. Great customer service. I think that's all you need right there. Show Tell the audience, show them your shirt, because they're going to wonder why you became a. They're going to want to know why I've got this on. All right, um, I'm, you know, grew up a Los Angeles Rams fan, and um, my daughter and her boyfriend were kind enough to get me this military throwback of my man Eric Dickerson, number twenty nine. Love this shirt. Um, looks good on me too, by the way. Um, you know, the 29 looked better on Eric Dickerson, but the, Ram- the Rams were like one of my teams uh, and still are kind of that. I never, because you're an all, you're a Los Angeles. I'm Los Angeles. Just, so yep. if the Cowboys aren't, aren't involved in a game with the Rams, I kind of root for the Rams. That's my pet peeve that, that logo you got on your left, because like, I'm yeah, so- why they ever change that? It was the most beautiful uniforms ever. It was a nice uniform. I mean, it was a, it was the Dodger blue with the USC gold pants that from the seventies, uh, it fit LA. They had a great helmet, and then they have that weird blue now, and the pants are like yellow. And it's like, who thought of that? <laughs> this all started when they went to St. Louis. By the way, they started changing the uniform, and that whole going well, to St. Louis. Well, the St. Louis thing is when I call those that's the Notre Dame years. Like they said, yeah. we have a great uniform that's kind of like sticks out, and like we liked it as kids. Let's look like Notre Dame. And then they got the old gold with the, the Navy blue. You can't tell that franchise anything, though, about St. Louis because that's where they happen to win their world championship. So They won no, one in each. One well, in each. yeah, but that's where they first won one, right? their that's first the, one. They popped their cherry in St. Louis. Yes, they did. Um, and so that kicked it all off. So you can't tell them that that was a really, really big mistake. All right, coming up on the show today, Andy Reid has won another Super Bowl. So you know, Emil, what? People are out there doing. They're ready to anoint Andy Reid as the best coach all time. You and I will discuss whether or not that is actually true. College football, the state of college football. Do we need to do anything there, or should Emil and I just shut the hell up about it and anyone else who has something to say? And then we're going to unleash a new segment here on the show. It's Did It Happen? Emil and I will quiz each other, and you guys listening and watching can follow along as we quiz each other on whether or not certain things happened in the world of football, both college and NFL, and that will develop over time. Plus the news of the weird and some other things we're going to touch here on the show. Emil, let's touch off with this one. You know, you and I both listen to Colin Coward. And um, these days, I'm not sure what is sponsoring his takes is I felt like when I first started listening to him, it was pure, it was authentic, and now he's a little bit more Hollywood. And when he makes a take, I've got to decipher, well, is this for the big company, Fox? Is it him trying to pub up the city of Los Angeles? Or has he been looking at the ratings sheet again, and now he's just trying to hit yeah, on what he I thinks think he's getting I think all them. the above, like, I... I re, you know I, I tend to catch him in clips and yes. I watch the show. Mm-hmm. I think he's become inauthentic, and that was what I what I liked about him is like you said coming in. I thought he said a lot of things that were original, and he didn't care. I read his books; I thought they were very good reads. They were very insightful. Yes. Um, now I just think he's like you know he, he's corporate. He's corporate. Yeah, he seems corporate. So the latest thing now was going it, according to. Um, Colin Cowherd, he has anointed Andy Reid as the best coach of all time. Andy Reid with three Super Bowls 
over Bill Belichick with six. And he's totally discounted Bill Belichick. And his reasoning is Bill Belichick is entirely connected to one other person being Tom Brady. And I'm wondering, well, if that's the case, what's Andy Reid connected to? All three Super Bowls are connected I mean, now maybe he's giving him points, you know, and again, I don't like to, I, I, you know, I tease your brother, the 49er fan about getting silver medals, but let's be honest, right? Getting to the Super Bowl, even if you lose, is quite an achievement, okay? Because we've become an all or nothing society, you know, oh, well, you know, there's 32 teams, so if you didn't win, the other 31 sucked. I don't, I don't see it like that. Um, So he might be giving him credit for getting to a Super Bowl and three and four NFC championship games with Donovan McNabb and the Eagles and then saying, well, okay. And then he got another guy who's better than Donovan McNabb and he won three Super Bowls. What I'll say is this. I think if he can win another one, he's, it's a more legitimate argument. If he gets a little closer and you say, okay, if we're just going gross numbers, probably no one's going to win six. That's Mm -hmm. my guess. Could be wrong. I mean, who knows? Mahomes is pretty young, but if you get to four and six with some of his other history in Philly, sure, maybe it's a conversation. But when you when you have a distortion of one guy took his team to nine Super Bowls, won six of them, the other guy's been to five and won three. It's he's doubled them. It's pretty pretty hard. much. Yeah, it's pretty hard for me to say okay, I'm going to have that conversation. But I will say, like I said, if he gets another one it becomes more legitimate. It's a harder, it's yeah, it's a harder conversation. Um, and, and maybe a little easier to listen to people maybe wanting to put Andy Reed over Bill Belichick, the whole tying him to one guy. I got to say this, you and I know what Cleveland was back in the day and Bill Belichick got the Cleveland job and they were a disaster of a franchise. Um, and he had an aging quarterback who wasn't entirely, you know, Listen, Bernie Kosar, very smart quarterback, did not have a live arm, No, was not at all mobile. And he was in his, you know, declining years when Bill Belichick showed up. He ushered Kosar out of the door, got Vinny Testaverde in there. And the Cleveland Browns went 11 and 5 one season under Bill Belichick and went yeah, to. That was the 94 season. And they went to, and they went to the playoffs. So he deserves some credit for that. You can talk about how the. You know, the Patriots weren't good before Brady arrived. Well, he'd only been there a year and 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 some, a year and some, a year and a, another portion of it. They weren't good in that first year. And listen, a lot of times we give a coach a discount for that first year. You're coming in, you're cleaning things up, you've, you know, you've got to undo some things. And yeah, you're probably not good that first year. I don't understand why Cowherd and others of that ilk can't give Belichick that pass. And then, yeah, you were losing at the early part of that next season before Bledsoe got crushed and Brady had to come in. Well, I'm here to tell you, Brady didn't light things up when he came in. It was very much defense and a running game for that season in which they went and defeated the greatest show on turf. Emil, the Los Angeles Rams, the Kurt Warner Los Angeles Rams, the greatest show on turf Los Angeles Rams were as good an offense as we had ever seen in the NFL at that point. And he totally dismantled them in a Super Bowl. And that was less about Brady and more about that defense. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that's where this takes you. And you, it, it, if, if his criteria, and I get his criteria, by the way, he's saying mm-hmm. adaptability. And you and I had this conversation. I don't even know if we did it on the show a couple of weeks ago or just you and I talking. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid has really shown an adaptability of what he did with this year's Chiefs Versus previous teams, okay? Yeah. And I think we did talk about on the show the ability to say, hey, I'm an offensive guy, but this team is not an offensive team. So right. I'm going to change. Okay, so the guy who gets cheated in these conversations because Americans tend to love gross numbers, just mm-hmm. what's the total? Joe Gibbs, if that's your criteria, he quit very early in life to go mm-hmm. become a star, and he, and he is a champion in NASCAR. I don't fancy myself an expert on NASCAR, but, but Joe, we both know he's done very well there. He might be have done better at NASCAR, as hard as this is to believe. But if you look at his coaching career, mm. here's a guy that won three Super Bowls. First one with Joe Theismann, 
went for a repeat and lost. Okay. Yes. Doug Williams and Correct. Mark Griffin, I believe. Yes. Okay, so this is a guy who in a 10-year period, now remember, 1982 season to 1991 season, a 10-year window, that's 10 seasons, mm-hmm. won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, and he's not even mentioned in the discussion that because I heard. Because people love gross numbers. If you're if you're looking at greatness, John Madden was a great coach. He didn't right. coach very long. They named right. a video game after him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so if you're looking at at the eight, like I like to view baseball, like I, you and I love baseball. I view baseball players when somebody says to me, were they great? Sure, I look at the, the gross numbers, but I'll say, what was a guy – at his apex, at his five, six best years, and how was he against everybody else? So people say Don Mattingly. Yeah, in comparison to what others were doing in that era, yes. Don Mattingly didn't have the gross numbers. I'm sorry for the audience if you don't follow baseball. He was a great Yankee first baseman. Go look him up in the 80s. Hmm. But he didn't have the gross numbers maybe to be a Hall of Famer because that's what they go by. But if you look at him at the apex of his career, he was the best hitter in baseball for six years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really think it is about the era because look how much things have changed in football yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Um, Belichick was winning with defense early on, and they allowed you to play more defense then. If you want to look at numbers now and you're talking about someone like Patrick Mahomes, of course he's going to put up better numbers and bigger numbers now. Um, the the passing attacks are more advanced, um, and the rules have the allowed rules are made for, And the psychological warfare inside the game is different. 20 years ago, even, we don't even need to go back that far. 15, 20 years ago, if a quarterback was going to have a a route that needed time to develop, there was a good chance he was going to get hit on the chin and he knew it. So psychologically, you had to have the the cojones to stand in there and step into that throw and not everybody can do that. That part of the game is gone, which is why, you know, another tangent we see a lot of guys who probably aren't great quarterbacks or even very good ones put up some incredible numbers because they're not getting hit anymore. I mean, that yeah, an average season now is three thousand yards passing, which that was the that was the the benchmark, you know, in the eighties. You know, that was the benchmark. The guy throwing for three thousand made you a great quarterback. Yards that was two hundred yards a game passing. The, the teams have bigger rushing attacks, so maybe your team was running for a buck forty. And that was a pretty good offensive team, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm not at that point where Cowherd seems to want to take people, where I'm going to put Andy Reid over Bill Belichick. That's not to say that Andy Reid is not a damn great coach. No one can not say that. Um, three Super Bowl wins, um, everything that you did in Philadelphia, though you came up short several times. But uh, what he's been able to do in this second half of his career has been outstanding. And he very well, when all is said and done, and might Chad, be that he's guy. Ignoring, he's ignoring that almost save probably Don Shula and Joe Gibbs. Every coach that we consider great generally was tied to a quarterback for their success. Yeah, I know. haven't I said that before about sure. listening? I mean, Tom Landry had Roger Staubach. Chuck Noll had Terry Bradshaw. Shula had a lot of success in Baltimore, people forget, before mm. he went to Miami. Mm. In Miami, he was getting to Super Bowls when Bob Greasy got hurt. He put Earl Morrill in. And, you know, so right. he, he did it across. But most, most of them were tied to a quarterback, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana. Right. I mean, you know, it's not – this isn't that and, and you know what I've said about that. You know, yeah. when your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback um, that you want a national championship with is gone, it's best for you to move on to that next school, too. That's difficult for guys to do because I know coaches want to try and prove that it was about me and our system and what I set up here. And let me show you I can do it with another person. But yeah. history says you're best to move on when that Heisman Trophy national championship winning quarterback uh, moves on. Urban Meyer. Um, Especially you're even talking college, and that makes a ton of sense there for different reasons. The NFL, it's it's almost it's a silly argument almost to blame a coach for having a quarterback. I mean that that's the way the league is is designed. It's 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 a quarterback driven league. You almost are at a stage in the NFL game at this point where maybe 20, like give you an example, the Ravens of 2000 and the 2002 Buccaneers. It's not taking a shot. You know, the Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson guys. Okay, good quarterbacks, definitely not franchise quarterbacks, but you could 
I don't think those quarterbacks will admit to that. I know Dilfer would. Yeah, you could develop a team where if this guy could make the throws when you need it and didn't, you know, muck the game up, you could win a Super Bowl. I'm not sure you can do that anymore in today's rules. Well, that's what San Francisco was attempting to do. But they got close, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, It's it's tough. It's very hard to ball off in overtime, and maybe you do. I don't know. All I'm saying, I mean, what I'm saying is, at the end, what Sam, what, if you said to somebody in that Super Bowl, take away the quarterbacks, whose roster would you take? I'd take San Francisco. Of course. And I think, you know, anyone paying attention would have done the same. Okay, so what really came down to is if Mahomes gets the ball last, he's winning. Oh, you know, we're talking about, you know, I think when all is said and done, we might call that guy the best quarterback ever. Of course, we never know because I was definitely down here in the 80s. And as as I told you the other day, I had an attack of nostalgia and I don't know what prompted me to do it. But I put Marino's first start on Mm -hmm. on YouTube, went and found it. And listen, as you I, I was blessed to be down here in Miami in that era. And when he went to that first Super Bowl, there was there was no one Dolphin fan or not, which I'm not. Um, that would not have agreed that this guy's going to go to about three or four more Super Bowls um, in his career. And so we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you just don't know when these runs end. And, it's, and uh, don't get me wrong, like, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not double talking here. If Mahomes has the ball last in a game like that, I feel like you're probably going to lose. But the problem yes. is getting him to that point. And teams, you know, like, look at Aikman had three Super Bowls when he was. Let's see, 89, 28? Yes. Something like and that? We, we, would, we would think this would continue, and Just Jimmy decided I'm gone. Sometimes you know? these things end, and most guys, Tom Brady was a unicorn. No matter yes. what people want to say, taking your team to nine Super Bowls, or ten when you count Tampa, winning seven, is he's a unicorn. So not every- Well, you know, for a certain generation, they think that's how this thing goes because it was 20 years of that. And that's the entirety of some people's entire football experience was Tom Brady and what the Patriots did. And so maybe they just feel like this is how things are. This is how football is. You can do this. And that's, well, you they, and I know that. They, they actually, for the wrong reason, have stumbled on that maybe that is the way it's going to be. Because, again, I go back to the leagues catering to offense. The rules are geared toward offense. So when a team gets a dominant, dominant quarterback, and we happen to have guys come one after the other, Brady and Mahomes. You may be able to go on runs like that just because the way it's it's hard to def- in the current system. And I hate to be a whiner, the way the the game is structured, it's very hard to derail that. I mean, this was not. I mean, and it's not a shot at them. I give them credit. I think what they did this year adapting was great. That was not a great Chiefs team. No, no. Um, and again, kudos to them for that. Uh, I don't know if you heard this. And I didn't really get a chance to research it, but it's running around everywhere. What do you make of the stat that the Kansas City Chiefs have not had one single holding call in three Super Bowls? What do you make of that? That seems almost impossible. It does. But you know how I don't even want to get on a tangent. I, I just. No, I, on a tangent. Go. Yeah, I just think the <laughs> NFL has got to get they've got to get this entire. Listen, there's going to be bad calls in every sport. I don't care if you're watching volleyball. Okay, yes. there's there's gonna be you know in out whatever, but they got to get more consistency in their rules. I mean, there's things we've talked about throughout the season mm-hmm. that I found bizarre, and the audience knows I'm a Cowboys fan. I said, okay, I got a player on my team that leads the NFL in pass rush win rate. Mm. He went 11 games without being held. Yeah, ins- insane, impossible. <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel like those calls are arbitrary for sure, and. Look, I'm not on the NFL is rigged train. I'm not. No, bad. it's I, not rigged. I, I knew once we got into allowing betting into the game, we're going to get a lot of that. You combine uh, allowing betting with social media, you're going to get a ton of that, and that's what we're getting. However, I feel like there's, you know, some of these things are arbitrary. Between having pass interference as a spot foul and the holding that you could pretty much call on every play. The, listen, on a football field, the unit, that is the most disadvantaged in the game is the offensive line going against the defensive line. So you're going to get holding. Most of these offensive linemen's mindset is if you're not holding on on in some way, shape, or form on each play, you're not really trying 
So you can pick and choose as a, as an official when to call that. And the fact that in three Super Bowl games, yeah, and you went against the San Francisco defensive line twice in those Super Bowls, that you would not have any kind of a holding call is amazing. But here's the thing. Yes, there's, there's ticky-tack holding, and I'm okay with letting that go. Mm. There's holds that... And I'm going to tell you why that what I read a couple a couple of years ago, and I think this is really what happened. There's holds that just have to be called. I mean, there's holds that 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 that, that Stevie Wonder would say, "Oh, <laughs> I mean, we did see one or two on Nick Bosa in that game." Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing: a couple of years ago, the way I understand this is, uh, as the rules were evolving, and the NFL definitely became an offensive league, they told officials, and if you, there's a graph of this on holding, right? Because you, you would get holds in NFL games that would call back touchdowns and stuff. And I think the edict they gave to officials was, we only want you to call holding if you feel it impacted the play. Oh, for well, God's now sake. you've taken a call that was already a judgment call, and you've made it uber judgmental. Because if I've got a guy, like let's use a Micah Parsons, who can run four three five four four? He's got an incredible get off, and he's on the backside of a play, and the tackle holds him, and the ball, the quarterback's going the other side, and the ref goes, "Well, I'm not going to call it because he couldn't have got there." You don't know that. No, you don't. Got there. You're trying to. You're processing that in your brain as a guy who's six three two fifty and runs like that that he can't cover that yardage before. At maybe right as the ball's getting released. And if you watch, holding calls have gone down. So what you get is fans are frustrated because it's like, okay, they'll see a 12-yard run and the guard will have the defensive tackle on the backside. The guy wasn't going to get there anyway. Hmm. And they'll, they'll they'll call it back. And then you'll see a play on Nick Bosa in the Super Bowl. Yeah, very inconsistent. Um, and that's really what you want is some consistency. We also don't want them calling all the holding penalties that they see during the game because it just wouldn't be a good product. So it's a, it's a difficult thing for the referees. But I think the NFL really needs to stop. Don't get in the mindset of it's all good. Everything's great. Look at our numbers. The numbers are up because you and I have seen that that can fall dramatically off of a cliff um, to if me, you don't pay attention. Bad. It should be simple, right? If it's blatant, right? If I could take a 12-year-old mm. and say, what is that? Oh, that's a hole, Dad. It's called Call a penalty. Don't, Call try, that stuff. don't try to figure out. If, if if this guy on that side could have got to the quarterback, listen, if, if the guy's getting arm barred across his throat. Yeah, I think you might want to go ahead and reach into your back pocket there. Reach into your back pocket. All right, uh, enough on that. Swinging on over to college football, Emil. We know that this is going to listen until they come up with something concrete, and I'm not convinced that they will do that. I, I was on a radio show here locally in Miami on Monday and had a little bit of a discussion about the transfer portal and NIL and its impact on not only college football, but high school football recruiting. And until they do something solid there about it, and I'm not convinced that they will, this will continue to be a discussion. But I do got to ask, man, should anything be done about the state of college football, and in particular the NIL combination with the transfer portal? Or should guys like you and I just shut up about it? This is the new norm. Let it ride and let it be how it should be. I mean, I need to know how much yeah, the NIL season we need. Let's, let's start with the world not the way we wish it was, but the way that it is. The NIL isn't going away. The, 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 that, that toothpaste is out well, of the Well, I'm sure neither one of us are calling for it to be banished. No, but that's not going away. Can anyway we tweak because, it is the question. Should we tweak it? Yes, there needs to be. Well, we should. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they know what to do. I think the answer to what me would is. What be your proposal? Because I was asked and I said, you know what? For the first time, and I'm, you know, I'm shocking you, the host, because when we talk, I always have something to say. I'm not sure what you do at this point, because if you put a cap on an NIL, you're now saying this sport is generating a tremendous amount of money. And if you cap the players, the money's going to be made. And who's that money going to go to? And do those people deserve it? Does the NCAA deserve it? Look at how they've acted. Um, do the colleges deserve it? You're profiting off of these kids. Why are you capping them, but you're not capping the others? When I start thinking about all of those factors, I'm wondering if there is anything that you can do. Why not let those players make as much as they can humanly make 
Um, I have I have three. You're the you're the accountant here. Talk I have to three me. specific things I'd like to see them do. Well, maybe maybe one's one is just one. It's a comment. It kind of sounds like two. One, I would like to cap transferring only with coaching changes. Otherwise, you got to sit out a year. So, in mm. other words, if you, if if you're gonna hop looking for the best deal, that's fine. You got to sit out a year, so that's going to defer your NFL career. So think long and hard. It better be a bad situation. That'll stop people from shopping NIL. Like we don't want to be a pro sport. Like if you're playing at the University of Miami, and you can profit off your likeness organically, that's great. But you shouldn't be shopping like you're an NFL free agent every year. I don't agree with that. Okay, let me let me just stop you there for a second. So what would you do in terms of? Um, if it's a coaching change, how long do you give that player after the coaching change to be able to make that transfer and use that as a reason and not lose that? Well, you, you open a window, you know, and I don't know what the, you know, you'd have to get into the details of what the process takes, but maybe there's a 90 day window when a coaching change is announced that. So you're saying this player needs to make a determination almost immediately when that new staff comes in as to whether or not they are for him or not. Well, 90 days to, you know, you, you would have to get into the portal in a window, 90 days. So they'd have, what, three months? So, so, so you know, if you're two months going, you're like, this isn't for me. You're eligible to go in the portal. No mm. different than coaches are allowed to change without any real punitive damage to their career. Mm. I don't, I have nothing against the player changing. What I do have is a problem where you have guys like uh, JT Daniels. I think he played uh, the kid from SC, Georgia. I mean, five schools, four or five Virginia, schools. Rice. I mean, I'm not picking on him. I mean, because he was allowed to do it. He was working within the framework, but he played for four schools in, in five years or something. That's yeah. crazy. I'm wondering whose alumni events he goes to 10 years from now. <laughs> well, it's actually better because his season's You can hit them all? He's got four teams now. Legitimately, he could say, "Oh, I am feeling like some of those schools won't accept him at the alumni." He sucks this year. I'm a Georgia fan. (laughs) (laughs) You can go grab drinks at four different alumni events. I like that. Thing is, because we are talking about college football, I think there should be a minimum academic standard to be able to get nil money and be eligible. In other words, you got it. You got to have a C. Well, what do you do about your high school football players? Because that's where the majority of that money is going, seemingly. It's to the guys that are coming out. They don't have a GPA. Um, I would like how to you somehow that? put in trust. So, in mm. other words, a tr- you know, this money's held. Mm. I don't, I, you know, I don't know the mechanism. You could create a, 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 a nonprofit at the school that holds the money. The player's deal is, is filtered through this office of compliance. Okay, Chad, you're going to get five hundred thousand dollars this year, but you've got to you've got to be an academic, you know, a certain academic standard. And I, you know, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know. Is a C good enough? I mean, it might make you eligible to play football. C's get degrees, they say, my man. Hey, listen, we these kids should be benefiting from not just the monetary part of it, but let's force people because when you're 18. Right, you'd rather eat Reese's peanut butter cups than broccoli. Okay, no question. So let's at least force them and help save them from themselves and say, well, we're going to make sure you get some education. We're not just going to use you and throw you away. Because let's be honest. All right. So let me hit on that. Let me hit on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna question you on all of these points. So a kid is offered a 1.5 million dollar nil deal, Mm -hmm. and if we've set a standard of a 2.3 GPA. What are you saying then? If he hits 2.2, if he's at 2.2, he forfeits $1.5 million? Well, listen, you're asking me on a podcast to think through the mechanics. There has to be mechanisms in there where he can get the money back by improving. We're not; It's not going to be a hard cutoff. But I, I want these kids to go to school because as you get older, you're supposed to get smarter, not prettier. Certainly happened for me. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, at least the not prettier part. I don't know about the smarter, but anyway, you're, you you want these kids to at least utilize what's, what's a great opportunity because most of them are not going to sustain the lifestyle they think they're going to have by playing in the NFL. 
Oh, yeah. That's a very tiny percentage, as you know, of people that play even at Power 5 schools. I mean, if you, I don't think fans understand at a home game, some of these schools with their walk-ons have 100 kids running through that tunnel. Right. And, and how many of them are actually going to have an NFL career of three years? Uh, man, at this point, I don't know how many of them are touching NIL money. But I'm saying most of them think, let's, if you're playing at Texas, you think you're going to be in the NFL. That's why you're going to Yeah, play. especially if you're starting or sure. you know, getting But how many are things? really, if we dig into the numbers, up, up, on a Saturday afternoon when 100 kids come through a tunnel at Darrell Royal Stadium? The three or three four. years? Three or four, maybe. We'll have a legit opportunity. Can a school like that, 15, have a three-year NFL career? And that's at a school like Texas. So now I think that number's high, to be honest. Probably. Yeah, you're probably high on that number. I think we're more around three or four. So, yeah, there's some disillusionment. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is the NCAA should do something. What, I don't know. And almost every point that you can come up with, that I can come up with, that anyone can come up with, can be vigorously... Uh, defended or attacked by a lawyer acting on behalf of the players and the families. Because the NCAA has was not proactive, something they just have never, ever been in my you know experience, because they weren't proactive and we've had these um, law of the land things take over and monies are getting offered and they're escalating. And then, you know, certain things are happening with the transfer portal because there's no there's no deterrence you're inducing kids off of one roster onto another and and it becomes a necessity because some teams are losing kids off of their roster and if i lose a kid i've got to go take a kid from somewhere else because we've allowed this thing to just fester and the toothpaste to come out of the tube it's going to be very difficult now to try and get that toothpaste back in the tube have you ever tried that at home you ever tried to it just doesn't work and so we're going to have a really really bad situation here and if something is not in the works right now, they're not planning something right now. I think they're in serious trouble because this is going to, I had a couple of guys, younger guys um, who are in their mid to early twenties in a car with me yesterday and we're talking and I'm, I start questioning them as a fan. I realize my age. So I, you know, let me take my old man stuff off. And now I'm going to ask these young guys and they are fans of college football, but they're saying they're less so now given the state of college football. And there was a time where I said, Hey, because of my age, I want things to be how they were. And I, you know how all that is. And this is probably okay for that younger generation. And for them, they're feeling a little bit like we are. It's, well, it's difficult. It's more difficult for them to become matter. We're all humans emotionally invested. Yeah, we're, we're all humans. We see what goes on. You know, I'm a pragmatic guy. I always kid it with you when this started. I, what I liked about college football and, and I, you, you know, I, I understand how it worked. Right. There was always a bad guy, but at least we tried to make it complicated to get somebody 10 grand. OK, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, at least the minute you you put it out in the open and say we're going to pay guys, then my natural reaction is, well, if we're paying everybody and it's minor league football, I'll focus more emotional energy on Sundays because they're getting paid and they're better at it. Yeah, I think what's the driving force for this younger generation as it pertains to college football is they can no longer really get emotionally invested in it. They're not tied to a player. We've seen this in college basketball. Um, maybe to a certain degree you can stay emotionally tied into a school if you happen to attend it or root it for work. But even that's less so because the players are changing so much. It's now about the betting because you can not only bet, you, you know, you've always been able to bet in some way, shape or form on your school versus another school. But now there's the, the betting on the individual players. And that's really what's driving the interest in the sport. And I don't know if that's and at the NFL level, too. Yes, that's true. But to, to your point on college, I guess where I find myself is like, give you an example, 20 years ago, if USC came into a season with the expectations they had last year and, and did what they did, it would have ruined my college football season. Yeah. Last year, it was like, hmm. I mean, I like them to win, but I can't. I can't get that emotionally invested anymore because yeah, tough for you. Your quarterback came from somewhere else. You didn't yeah. see him come in as a freshman. 
You didn't see him come in as an 18-year-old and throw an interception on his first throw. And now you're seeing him two, three years later, and he's on the cusp of taking them somewhere they haven't been in a while. You don't have that anymore. Kid came from somewhere else. Um, A kid is here for a year, and then he's gone. Like, can I be emotionally invested in this team? Yes, it's my school. You see it down there, right, with the Florida schools. The starting safety at USC this year is coming from UCLA. And he's a good player. Isn't that crazy? He's a good player. So you know, running back at the back University of Florida, yeah. transferred. You know where he transferred to? Florida State. Georgia. Oh, okay. Well, they're better yet then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, you know, Etienne's younger brother has now transferred from Florida. He's going to Georgia. So ask yourself on a Saturday afternoon when you're getting all lathered up. I'm, I'm asking the audience this. You're all lathered up having a beer at a bar arguing with a fan of, of, of your ri- rival. Mm. If the kid played at Florida and Georgia within the same calendar year and the other kid played at USC and UCLA, I think you're more lathered up about the rivalry than they are. (laughs) Yeah, and I think uh, 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 overwhelmingly uh, more than 50% of your motivation watching the game now is wanting that kid that played for you last year to now fail in the colors of your, you know, hated and bitter rivals. Here's where I think I want to just touch this before we, we hop to the next segment. What eventually, when things in life ebb and flow, right, in business, the corporation will have the edge for a while, then it goes to the employee, like unions, you know, and then it'll come back, right? And when something goes one way or another, usually someone loses an opportunity. So let's use business, right? They had the auto strikes, right? So you're going to have people making cars, and I'm not against people making a good living, so don't Mm. understand, but there's economics, right? I'm going to use an example. Sure. That some of them all in are going to be on an assembly line making $170,000 a year or the equivalent with benefits. Mm-hmm. That's unsustainable for a car company, right? Sure. So if I'm the CEO, well, and don't, and they're always looking to automate where they can. But now you make my decision a lot easier because capital investment becomes that that delta becomes like, oh, wow, we can get the payback quick. Oh, wait, we can build a plant in Mexico. Oh, mm-hmm. if so yeah. here's what's going to happen in college sports. I saw they formed a union at one of the Ivy League schools, the basketball team. I don't know. If, mm-hmm. or, I forget which one. At some point, one of these schools that is in Alabama or Texas, that's just really an academic institution, is going to say, F it. We're just folding our sports program. We don't make any money off it anyway. Yeah, and, and you know, that'll probably happen, and we'll see if, if there is a domino effect. If you make it difficult enough, I mean – yeah, is Alabama going to do that or Texas? No, but no, but they lead with that. They lead with, with sports lead and with that. If you're Harvard, I mean, you don't need your your athletic program to be Harvard. Are you a guy that can predict the future, or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses, or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit, and you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. No, they don't. They already don't have a playoff there. Um, I've got a number of guys that I'm training and some that have gone to IVs and they don't even do pro days for those guys unless there's an outstanding prospect coming out of there. They don't even do pro days. So these guys have got to go try and find a school or go do a pro day if they're an aspiring NFL player, they've got to try and get another school to allow them to. And 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 by the way, that's become very difficult over the, the They last don't let them participate in the FCS playoffs. And I mean, there are some decent Ivy League football teams that are pretty good some years. They don't. So, I mean, my point I'm getting at is I'm using that is as we keep tilting this more and more to the play, like you're saying lawyers, players. There's going to be somebody that throws up their hands and is, is groundbreaking and look say, you know what? I don't need this. This isn't. I think it's. Anymore. I think it's starting with the coaches, and that's probably something we can talk about more in the upcoming weeks. Is how 
college football coaches are throwing their hands up and saying, hey, you know, this is a little bit more than what I signed up for. I signed up to be a coach, and now we've got all these other factors. With Transfer Portal, not only am I trying to acquire kids out of the Transfer Portal, acquire kids from high school, but I've also got to try and keep the kids that are uh, on my roster uber happy, ultra happy. They've got to be playing. They've got to do this. They've got to do that. Um, And they can't experience any kind of, um, you know, setback whatsoever. They can't experience any kind of um, waves in their time here or they're in the portal and they're off to someone else because it's all, it's like at the end of every year of your marriage, you've got your, your wife's on Instagram shopping around and you've got to figure out a way to keep like, come on for God's sakes. So uh, all eyes on the NCAA, because I feel like this is a crucial and a critical year for them to do something. If you let things go through this whole calendar offseason and not put any kind of guardrails in place or start down that line, then I think you're in the serious trouble going forward. With, uh, uh, listen, with I agree with you, and I think you're going to see defections of the better coaches Back to NFL jobs over time. Yeah, we're already seeing a little bit of it. Yeah. And I think as they start to talk to each other, when a couple of guys leave college football, go to NFL, and if it is what they think it is, they're going to get to those conventions that they have, or they're going to get on the phones and start talking to some of their guys that they, you know, have regular conversations with and say, hey, listen, man, it's a whole lot better uh, up here than where you are down there. I feel a whole lot better of my coaching situation you guys might want to start thinking about. Obviously, there's a finite number of NFL jobs, but you're going to see the better guys hopping over, getting those jobs, and then what's left coaching in college football, we're going to continue to see. Hey, we've got a great new segment we're going to bring up here on the show, and it's called Did That Happen? So uh, Amol's got three questions for me. I've got three for Amol about things that may or may not have actually happened in the world of college or NFL football. And we are going to test each other's knowledge on it. And you guys at home listening and watching can play along as well. So, Emil, I think I'm going to kick this one off. All right. you. So we can, we'll we we'll do it like this. I'll give you a question. You give me a question. Okay, you we'll ask me if it happened, and okay. I can tell you if it did happen or if it did not happen. True or false, did it happen? All right. I'm going to hit you off with a softball here. All right. You're a big USC fan. And um, we're all aware of the dominance that was USC football in the in the 70s. All right. And what, what were you like, 30? You were in your 30s back in the 70s or I was, something? I was 50 now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean yeah, I, I fool a lot of people. I look great for 92. You might, <laughs> you might remember this or not. So the dominant era that was USC, they played UCLA. Each and every one of those years, yes. as they you know still do now. Hopefully, that can stay intact now that they belong to some other conference. Right. But my question to you is this: Did UCLA beat USC more than once in the seventies? Yes. I want to play Jeopardy. Yes, and I'll tell you why. Yes, is what you're answering. Okay. Because. Yes, USC won three national championships in the 70s, finished a couple times. But Mm -hmm. I know right around the Mm mid-70s, you had Dick Vermeil and then subsequently Terry Donahue when Vermeil went to the NFL, followed him. And that was a good run of UCLA football from like 1973, 74 to like the mid-80s. So I'm going to say... At some point there, they they won a couple games in the 70s against USC. The answer is yes, they did. However, this is how this went. It's kind of how you remembered it, but not entirely. In 1970, UCLA managed to blow out USC 45 to 20, which is a little bit of a shock because USC towards the end of that 60s there was, you know, it was a really bit of a hate. Well, they won the national championship in 67, so yeah. Yeah, blew them out 45-20. And then the following year, they tied in 71. And then there was a three-year run of USC wins that ended in 1975 when UCLA defeated uh, USC, who was ranked number 14 at the time, 25-22 to in a nail-biter. And then from that point on, Emil, for the rest of the 70s, USC uh, won all the games. They proceeded well, to win. Sense because their 76 team finished second in the country. 
77 team wasn't great, but it was pretty good. 78 won and split a national championship with Alabama. 79 finished second in the country. So And you weren't winning a championship back then if you weren't undefeated. No, so that makes sense. But I mean, I do know that UCLA had some good teams in, in the mid set from the mid 70s all the way through the mid 80s. So that was a good There you team. go. So so there you go. You're up one nothing here. Okay. Question for you. And you gotta give me the name then too. Okay. Oh my goodness. Did a Cowboys quarterback ever win an NFL MVP? And if so, which one? Well, um, it sounded like yes. Um, and then I've got to give you a name of who might have won an NFL well, MVP. It's a two-part question if you're answering yes. If you're answering no, then it's easy. I've got to think about this. An NFL MVP, and I'm not sure how the voting went back AP, in the day, yeah, when, no. the, when they voted it. Um I would think we put a lot of reverence on quarterbacks winning Super Bowls. I think they've always been a big part of it. And the fact that you made this a two-part question is messing with me here a little bit. I'm going to have to say, true, and it would have to have been Staubach, right? I'm up one nothing. I I made it a two-parter because I have to try to win. mess with me. Because I'm competitive. Yeah. Here's a, a factoid for the audience. Get ready. The Dallas Cowboys, who still have the highest winning percentage in the history of the NFL. Oh, he needs to let us know this. Have never had a quarterback win an NFL MVP. And they've only had, in their illustrious history, one NFL MVP, and that would be Emmitt Smith in 1993. Well, I mean, Emmitt makes sense. I guess they've just always had these great teams that you couldn't just say it was the quarterback. No, I mean, you know, they had great quarterbacks, but they were teams. Like, brought, you know, they didn't have the, like, you know, Roger would win games at the end for you, sure. But that those teams were complete teams. I mean, it was, that's a hard one. I mean. But I don't know if he was a stat sheet stuffer either back then. I don't, no, you know, I don't. No, he would, he, you know, they, they had Tony Dorsett. They had guys, you know. Okay, let's reverse now. I'm going to go first, come back with you. Here we go. All right, cool. On the topic. Did an NFL kicker ever win the MVP award? An NFL kicker ever? AP MVP came into existence around mid-50s, I believe. So just, I want to give you context in case you're thinking about. Hmm. This guy hits me with an NFL kicker. (laughs) Ever win MVP? Kicker or punter? It could be a kicker or punter. Anybody that their only job was to kick or punt. I would find it hard for a punter to ever win that, considering how much greatness we have in this league at all the other positions, that a punter... Hey, they named an award after Ray Guy. Remember him from the Raiders? And I think you name a... You name an award after a guy because you can't give him any of the other ones. (laughs) Um which, by the way, as I was watching the nostalgic Dan Marino um, first start, Reggie Roby was the punter. Good God, he could. Oh yeah, he had that. High, he football. had that high leg kick that he almost kicked his helmet when he when he. Punched. He and Ray Guy shin touching their yeah. helmet. Um, they don't have punters. I didn't even mess with you here and make you tell me who the kicker or punter is if if you're answering yes. I find it hard to believe if there was a kicker that would have ever deserved. To me, uh, an NFL MVP, is that what you're saying? Yes. It would have to be an Adam Vinatieri. I'm going to say no, Well, you're all for two. How about this one? I I even got this into the show to try to spur your brain. I said Joe Gibbs, right? In 1982, in the strike season of 1982, where the Redskins were – NFL champ, NFL champion, Mark Mosley hit 23 straight field goals, and they looked around and said, damn, he's he so Man, you know, it would take a strike sort in the season for that to happen. Sorry, right, I'm down 0-2. I'm getting my rear end kicked here. I've got one for you. <clears throat> um, he was, when you think about, we, we talked about how much it's a passing league in um this day and age but back in back in the day um there were some there were a couple of guys who could throw the peel around and had innovative offenses and one of them was down in san diego 
with the San Diego Chargers and Eric Coriel, um, Dan Fouts, and all of the guys that you can name there, Jefferson and Chandler and all those great guys. And, you know, if you're, I'm sorry, younger than 45 years old, you have no idea what we're talking about. Um, and we know Dan Fouts was a guy who could throw the peel around. With that being said, did Dan Fouts ever throw for 40 touchdowns in his illustrious NFL career? Okay, so this is funny because this is the end of this segment because I'm not <laughs> giving you another question. Now, we don't – Chad and I do not talk about anything where we rank things, uh, pick things before the show. So, you know, we were doing this – Don't tell me you have that question. It's funny you ask as, – as Sebastian would say, it's funny you ask. <laughs> Uh, I know the answer to this question because my question to you is going to be, did Dan Fouts ever throw for 5,000 yards? So in research, You've got to be kidding me. I can tell you Dan Fouts never threw 40 touchdown passes. His high was 33. And for the audience, I'll answer my question for Chad. He never threw for 5,000 yards. Yeah, well, I, def- I would have definitely have gotten that one because I know that was Marino yeah, and Marino only. In 1981, Dan Fouts, and in 1982, back-to-back years, threw for 48 and 4,700 yards in a league that wasn't geared to throw the ball like today. No, not at all. And in fact, that 33 touchdowns, his career high, did come in that 1981 season. A hell of a season that uh, culminated with one hell of a playoff game between um, the Chargers and the Dolphins. Was that 81 or 82? Uh, that might have been 82. 81 was the year the Chargers went, went to the – They lost to the Bengals, the Bengals in a minus 88 degrees yeah. game. All yes. Right, yes. All right. I kind of remember that. All right. So, yeah, we killed we killed that one. So, I still got I still got one for you, um, which, which, will be, which will be pretty cool. But um, that, is, that is funny that you came up with the Chargers question. When you start asking thought, a question, I'm like, well, this isn't even fair. Yeah, you know, the reason I would have gotten that one correct for sure is because I was down here during the the Marino years. And when he did throw for 5,000 yards, it was such a big deal made. Um, and you were told over and over that no one had ever done this in, in the NFL. Um, that and that's, and that's yeah. really, especially in football today, why the gross statistics, when you're looking at them, you have to look only compare to an era because – Yes, you can't you can't cross compare statistics from like 1982 and today. They're just completely different games. No, t- different game. Um, and I, you know, even nowadays there are more games. We're talking about back in the day. I don't remember. But you, maybe you can tell me when this was. One year, uh, we moved from 14 games to 16. That was you know the only reason I happen to know this the 78 season because the 77 Cowboys won the Super Bowl against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were 12-2 and two in the regular season. The following year, when they were trying to repeat, I believe they went to the 16-game season. Right. And now we've got 17. So, you know, some more records are going to come down because there's an extra ball game there. All right. My final one for you. We all know about the greatness that is Aaron Rodgers, um, one of the best throwers, passers that the game has ever known, um, the pinpoint precision and, um, you know, all of the great things that Aaron Rodgers does. One of the greater things that Aaron Rodgers does that we can all, you know, are being made aware of is how careful he is with the football. And the, to his credit, has won Super Bowl. They went, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, defeated him in that game 31-25. to And uh, he was the MVP in that game. So my question to you, Amal, is... In that Super Bowl win over the Steelers, the only win uh, in the Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers, did he or did he not throw an interception in that game? I remember that game, too. How well do you remember that game is the question. He's running through all 83 plays that happened in that game. My account in the back and forth game. Yeah, I'm going to say he threw a pick somewhere in that game. I, amazingly, you have somehow managed to miss a question here. But Did if I? you think the great Aaron Rodgers would go into that great game and find a way to throw a ball to someone that was not on his team, no, 
You know, before he would do that, he'd spike a ball on the ground if he didn't like the play call. Disgustingly, too, like this. He just he doesn't like a guy in backyard football whose kid ran the wrong. They're like, I'll call it. I don't think this is going to work, guys. Take the snap. Boom, he's not there. Boom, ball down on the ground. Now, Emil, Aaron Rodgers was 24 of 39 for 304 yards in the game, three touchdowns, and somehow against that defense – Zero interceptions. If you would have asked me this question, I would have definitely have gotten it wrong because I for sure would have said against those Steelers, yeah, I know he won MVP and he won that game. You would have had to have thrown an interception to that team. Yeah, that, Ryan was, Clark, really, that I, was another. I, Taylor, I remember that was a really entertaining Super Bowl. That was a good one. It was. Um, of note, Ben Roethlisberger threw two. He didn't care. He'd throw those picks. He threw two in the game. Yeah. He had two touchdowns with two interceptions. So that was a fun segment. We're going to have fun with this yeah. this year. Um, we promise along the way we'll mo- probably modernize more of these questions. But since Abel and I are older, we got we to gotta run a little bit deeper to kind I mean, of – Should we modernize them? We're here, to, we're here to entertain and educate a little bit. There's nothing wrong with knowing your, your football history. Well, I think every now and then we'll dive into, you know, um, the 2000s. Who who knows? We'll yeah. see. Um, you know, a couple of things on the way out the door, Emil. It has apparently become clear that Justin Fields is not going to be in Chicago anymore. I personally think he should stay there. They should have a little more patience and work things work things out there. And I, I saw improvement. I saw a guy. I saw a future for him there. I don't know if the Bears see that. Um but if he's not going to be a Chicago Bear, where would you like to see Justin Fields end up? What do you think is a good place for him? I have a place in mind, but let's. what do you think? Well, first of all, I don't think it's necessarily a, a football decision. I think this is partially football and partially math. So they're looking at it like they, he's at X on what they feel is his developmental line. They're going to have the first pick in the draft. And if they think that guy is not that far behind – then they get to reset the contract. And that's yeah, what sure. it moves down to. Because I mean, sure, sure, because the Bears are spending so much money elsewhere on their roster. Listen, from a purely football perspective, I I would probably stick with Fields because I've invested some time and he's shown some progress. And I'm not really sure when you take uh, Caleb Williams, you know, that, that he's that much better. You know what I'm mm. saying? I'm not sure. But anyway, that said, I mean, I wouldn't mind him immediately coming to my my mind with his age and what they have i wouldn't mind him in atlanta uh that's, that's and once again that's exactly where i think i would love to really? see him. because exactly. I, mean, I see him in atlanta he he's he's got the running back there that that he can lean on a little bit he doesn't have to carry them he's got some talent on the outside some guys that can make plays with london and pitts is start starting to come around a little bit and I feel like his game would translate well there. It would. And it's something that the folks in Atlanta have seen before. And maybe it can make, you know, if you're not going to win Super Bowls, it can make a great story or great interest if he makes a run at some of Michael Vick's records. Maybe that's something for them to talk about in the place of a Super Bowl isn't run. He with a Georgia kid? He is. I, I do. I yeah, do believe. I think, I think he grew up in Georgia. I, you know, I wouldn't mind. You know, another place if the Vikings, which it seems like they might move on from Cousins, I wouldn't mind him there either. Yeah, that might be a good thing there as well. I mean, there are a number of places that need a quarterback, but it's do you need a quarterback like him? Um, the Vikings have certainly seen that kind of a player before, and Dante Culpepper. They had Randall Cunningham, but he wasn't that kind of player at the time. He oh. would throw those moonshots to to Randy Moss. He wasn't a run around with the ball kind of guy. I think he needs to go to a place that's seen that kind of stuff before um, and would be okay with it, as opposed to a place that has had you know pocket passes well, and yeah, things. Yeah, you're of talking that. about from a fan base perspective, would, would would they enjoy that product? But I mean, and I think I, that's a big part of it nowadays because yeah. fan base is allowed. They speak. They hear. The other thing is, obviously, you need to go. He needs to go to a place where a coordinator can scheme around what he does well. And you know, yeah, absolutely, you got to be able to do that. And you know, that re- that remains to be seen in both of those places that we talked about. Um, I did say this on the show last week when I was flying solo. You know, you talk about Caleb Williams in Chicago, but to be quite frank, to me, I think the prime quarterback if you're going to change there and go after a guy that's in the draft and we're talking about the Chicago Bears is J.J. McCarthy to me I think that's your guy 
if you're the Chicago Bears. Well, he fits the he fits the Bears franchise. Yeah, fits the profile. Has you know played in that area, can deal with the elements, and is probably more of a fit for that fan base. Will win with defense, a ground game, and good um, game manager style play at our quarterback position. I'm going to loop around before we leave because you touched on Cowherdies earlier, and. You know, and obviously, listen, you can make predictions this time of year and you're never going to be held to them because no one will remember that you said them. And the only way anybody will remember is if you were right, you'll remind everybody. Okay. Sure. He says some things that just really, I don't even know where his basis is. He said next year in the NFC East, he really likes the Washington Commanders. I did hear that. Ridiculous. And, 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 and like, I'm like, okay, they're going to take a quarterback. Most likely, he's saying Drake May. So you, you, you're taking the Commanders who won, I think, five, six games with a rookie, rookie quarterback, quarterback, new coach, a new a new head coach, and a new offensive coordinator because he really likes Dan Quinn and, Cl- and Clingsbury. I'm like... So that's a sub-500 football team next year. Yeah. Now, if they win the division at sub-500, we've got something to talk about, but that's what I think they are you're, next you're year. You're literally picking against two teams that going into the year will be in the top seven or eight power-ranked in the, in, the, in the league. Yeah. The Cowboys um, uh, and Eagles. Listen, we're a long ways away from our prediction show that we do every year. But if you're asking me today, I think the Cowboys win that division again. I don't see it being the Commanders. I think you're closer to the Commanders being the last place team in the NFC East as opposed to the first place team in the yes, NFC East. Yes, I mean, I'm only bringing up because of you mentioned Cowherd at the beginning of the show, and I'm thinking to myself, that popped into my head. I'm like, listen, Colin, Sometimes I think he's trying to push buttons. It's like Colin. I see, like you said, I see the Commanders closer to the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I think he looked on the paper on the uh, on the on the you know the what are the ratings, and um, he gets a good charge every time he says something that'll piss off Cowboy fans, and that would definitely. Who's do the it. betting favorite next year to win the Super Bowl? The betting favorite is the team that lost the Super Bowl, and the only reason I could think of that is if you're going to say the Chiefs, which most people would think you're talking about a team doing something that's never happened before, and that's winning three Super Bowls in a row. That and you don't really believe that the Chiefs roster was Super Bowl worthy and they somehow pulled this Super Bowl out of you know where to get it this year. But according to Bavada, your top uh, odds getter, if I could use that term, to win Super Bowl 59 is San Francisco at plus 500. Um, so for you for you novices out there, if you put $100 down on that and you know the 49ers happen to win, you get back 500 bucks. The Chiefs are second at 750. Number three are the Ravens at 850. Number four are the Bills at 1200. Number five, stop the presses if you've ever seen this before. Lions. Number five team, the Detroit Lions, plus 1200. Um, with the Bengals, Cowboys, Eagles, Dolphins, and Packers all following as the next five teams behind that. If, if I was going to sprinkle some money around on that and get value, I'm, I'm not being a homer here, I, I'd take three teams in the, near the top. I'd take the Cowboys, Bills, and the Bengals because I'm going to get some value and I've got really good rosters in place. Um, there's no value if you're if you're playing those to taking the 49ers at plus 500. And frankly, it's what they're doing in my mind now is going to be very difficult. Mm. They've lost an NFC Championship game in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. it's very hard you would say oh come back from that they're close yeah they're close talent wise but now mentally they've got to play an entire regular season with the standpoint of we just want to get back to where we were and finish the deal and that's hard to do yeah um i think i'm with you except i might sub out the bills for the ravens yeah it's, i feel like that's a it's a tough the same thing you said about the 49ers is the same thing I would say about the Bills. You got to climb that tall mountain again. Good and you got like and if you have to go through the Chiefs, what's in your head that whole time you're playing the Chiefs? Like when are they coming to get us? You know, I remember being I, I was you know, I ran track in high school and my senior year we had a guy come in and he was a, a pretty damn good sprinter. And uh, in 100 meters, I'd get out. I'm a football player. I'm going to be out first to 40. I'm going to be out there to 60. But this guy would always come on at the end. And early on in the track season, he got me a few times. And Emil, for the rest of that season, by the time we got to the midway point, without fail, I'd get out there to 60 and be by myself and just start thinking, when is he coming? Where is he? When is he coming? Yeah. And uh, sure enough, he'd pull up. 
you know, we're on dirt it's tracks. Like the road back runner, then. right? Beep, beep. Yeah, I would hear him before I see him. I'd hear him. I'd hear the tapping off to whatever side he was on, you know, left or right. And yep, out the corner of my eye, I would see the guy there. And I'm wondering, you look back on it, I was like, was I running as fast as I needed to paying attention to what the hell he had going on or should I have focused? And I just think that's going to be a problem for the Bills. Whereas the Ravens only got this once. They might have it if they've got to go through the Chiefs. I just think they still got a roster. They still have the infrastructure to get there. So I would sub them out. Who's the team in that top 10 that I named off, and I could do it again for you, that you think just has no business being there? I'm going to say the Eagles. I think they're a disaster. No, I, I, I don't like – I was trying to avoid that because, again, I'm a homer. But I, I'll be a homer if you have I don't to. like what went on there at the end. If I like it as a Cowboy fan, but as a football right. fan, the way that ended, it wasn't just the loss. It's just the, the entire organization seemed discombobulated. And I think Hertz took a big step back last year, so there's going to be question marks. He went into last year, everybody assumed he was a franchise quarterback, and now you look at what he did. He was a turnover machine. So now yeah. the question is, can we fix our quarterback? And when you go into a season, you know, for all the talk, I kid around, right, on the show I said early, people love to go after Prescott because he's a Cowboys quarterback. Sure. But if if you're looking at the two, the Eagles have a bigger question at quarterback than the Cowboys. Prescott had a hell of a Yeah, year. and they've got more – Fires going on around this quarterback who has question marks. So that's not good either. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of instability around a quarterback to, you know, that took a, st- a step back this year. So I don't see, I kind of, the team, the, I don't think I, I take the Packers. The as a I take the Packers over the Eagles right now. I, who would I take? I would take the Packers over oh, the Eagles. Too. I would actually have them above the Eagles. Too. As, a, as a Cowboy fan, I kind of feel like they're at the point where they're really close talent wise. And I kind of feel like just one of these years, just like when the Cubs won the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. They had a really good roster. They were close. And it was like at some point it just happens. It's your year. And I kind of just yeah. feel like they're maybe they're getting maybe it does. Yeah, maybe maybe that is indeed. But I mean, we can't happens. say that. We're sitting here February twenty-first. I mean, who who knows what the offseason is gonna bring? Yeah, so many things are gonna happen. But yeah, if you're asking me here on February twenty-first, that's that's my call on it. More to come on that as well as other issues. That's going to put a bow on this one here for us. Um, The Two Chumps Football Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed your time here with us. Before we leave out of here, if you haven't done this yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. If you happen to be watching us, if you're listening to us on your streaming device, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, or whatever you're listening to us on, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next show. A great one like this one and we hope to have you guys with us for the entire off season and into the 2024 season that is already promising to be something special here <laughs> on in, in february so we're looking forward to having you guys here with us and that's going to be our time i'm checking out for amo calamino i'm chad wilson thanks for watching and listening to the two chumps football podcast we'll see you guys next week